on, y'all? This is your girl, Brie Undeniably, checking in for another episode of my new speaker series, Deep Conversations with Dope Individuals, where we're discussing development, decision-making, and dedicating yourself to purpose. Today, as always, I'm super pumped because I'm here with a super dope individual, obviously, but this is also an individual who I have known for a while. I have a close personal connection to, and we just spent some time catching up because it's been a while since we've seen each other in person. But before I introduce this dope individual, I'm going to go into my shout outs really quick. It's always important to pump the people around you that are helping support you and put you on. So if you are watching this on YouTube or if you're streaming this through your podcast streaming source. Uh, Shout out to Gotham Podcast Studio. They are the ones hooking it up with the audio and the visuals. So we've got an awesome team at Gotham Podcast here, and I am uh, definitely lucky to be working with them. Always appreciative of them hooking it up. Um, If you have not heard me say it a thousand times, shout out to MC Kicks. Uh, They are always putting it on for the merch uh, with the merch for me, uh, sponsoring me with everything they've got. So though I'm not wearing any MC merch at the moment, I am always ready to put them on because they've got some dope customizable gear. Go check them out at E-M-C-E-E-K-I-C-K-S. And finally, gotta pump yourself up. Uh, if you have not checked out my website, you can head over to breeundeniably.com. Um, you can check out all my services and everything that I'm doing there. But also, if you want to check out some of my merch, I have all my dope individual merch and I am possible merch there. You will see if you're watching this on YouTube that I have my dope individual backpack. So if you want that or any other dope individual gear, go check it out at breeundeniably.com. All right, now that uh, my short little infomercial is over with, (laughs) we are here with my dope individual, a friend, a former, uh, you know, personal trainer of mine, just off the strength of being my friend. His name is Gertie Ablard. Gertie, how are you? It's so good to see you. Good morning. How are you, Brie? Nice to be here. I'm doing well. Thank you. Uh, Pumped to have you. Let me go ahead and introduce you, give you the introduction that you deserve, and we'll kick into it. So uh, Gertie Ablard is the creator of The Unfazed Person and the founder of Overhaul Train. He's taken his passion, mind, body, and honored them through the discipline of sports and fitness. He's turned fear on its head to become unfazed, empowered, and fearless. The way he has built his body as an athlete has equally sharpened his mind and built his self-esteem. It was in these moments in building that he realized he's always been this person. With all of his experiences, failures, and success, he's a person who wants to empower young people to show them the art of trying and how to thrive in trying, and that there is hope in trying long before the byproduct of success arrives. Gertie, thank you so, so much for being here. Um, First, I mean, let's just, I think that it's always important when I bring on, you know, a a friend or a close person relationship, we kind of talk about that. So before we even get into your story, let's talk about our friendship story. (laughs) I don't know if uh, I should give the story or if you should give the story. (laughs) I mean, yeah, you should give the story. (laughs) Okay. Well, I mean, really just back in the day, I would say this was about... 2012, 2013, 2014-ish. I don't really remember exactly 
you know, the exact year, but somewhere in that vicinity. Um, I was in Boston. Gertie was in Boston. So I was uh, in undergrad or just kind of finishing up my degree there. Um, and Gertie was training over at the uh, one of the local gyms, uh, Boston Sports Club, right? Right. Boston yep. Sports Club. Um, and so I started going to that gym. This was, like I said, really at the the beginning of my fitness journey. I would say I was about a year in. Um, and you know what? I think I started going to that gym because I had just graduated. So it was probably around 2014 because I no longer had access to Northeastern's gym. They kick you out right away. So I was like, let me go find a gym. So I ended up at Boston Sports Club. Uh, Gertie I swear he had a bed there. Like <laughs> he was always there. But, you know, when you when you are on a fitness journey and then you go to a place that is also, you know, fostering a community, which oftentimes uh gyms and fitness facilities are, you start to see the same people, especially when you're going at the same time, uh, same days, et cetera. So Gertie and I saw each other. We started just crossing paths and obviously, you know, I'm over here trying to learn how the heck to use machines at that point. And he's probably in the corner laughing at me learning how to use machines. But uh, rather than continuing to laugh at me, he he really just, you know, came over, started helping me out, teaching me a couple things, um, you know, here and there. He would really just let me um, train with him if he didn't, he wasn't working with a client and I was on at the gym on my own. So uh, just really started a really cool friendship because, you know, I was so appreciative of you at that point because clearly I didn't know what I was doing. Ten years later, I'm still going strong or, you know, eight years later from that point. But um, that was really, I guess, the the beginning of our friendship. And since Gertie has now moved on to bigger and better things, new gyms, new competitions, new states. So um that's that's my side of the story. I don't know if you have a different version. Um, no, pretty accurate. <laughs> um, you know, I remember when I first saw Bree coming around. You know, um, you know, obviously it was someone that needed to find her way and be comfortable around the gym. Mm -hmm. and I feel part of um, holding up the integrity of what I do is to help people. You know, any chance that I get. And um, from that point on, you know, got to know who she is and what she was about. And any opportunity I got, you know, when she was around, I was able to provide, you know, some help for her, for her to get it together and inspire her, you know, to work on being more comfortable at the gym and, you know, developing a fitness lifestyle, which I feel is very important. So you can take a look at her now and be like, yeah, she's on top of it. I appreciate that. I've, you know, it's really true though. I feel like um, working with you, you were really the first trainer that I've ever worked with, you know, and like I said, you did it off the strength, which it, which just is, proves, you know, your character and who you are and that you really are dedicated to helping people out, especially in their fitness journey and, you know, everything that builds from a fitness journey. Um, but you were really the first trainer that I ever worked with. And that was foundational for me, you know, work kind of like really you helping me like navigate around the gym, but also like just teaching me like how, what, what the proper form is, how to move my body in a certain way, how to get certain results, like what 
even down to, you know, we were just joking because you have a full blender of protein in front of you. <laughs> but even down to the, the you know, what I should be eating, the protein I should be having. So you just, you know, you just kind of took me under your wing. And, um, you know, I think just sharing that story is important as we go into this, just so everyone listening can really understand who you are and what you do. Yeah, I feel, um, to continue a little bit on that, I mm-hmm. feel the most important thing is building relationships with people, you know, and you can't just, I don't believe that you can just look at someone and approach them and say, Hey, you need to work on this and that, and not get to know who they are, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that's a way for me to understand, you know, the persons that I'm dealing with in that moment to now be able to approach them with ideas, you know, on how to do things in terms of, their fitness and their nutrition and so on, because it's a very personal thing, you know, when you put yourself out there and you're trusting someone to navigate, to create a blueprint for you, you know, in terms of how to take care of yourself, it goes a long way. Um, It's something that is implemented in your lifestyle. So I take a lot of pride, you know, in developing relationships with people in terms of training them and teaching them things, you know, especially when it comes to their bodies. I I love that. Uh, you know, that is your approach because it, it's almost like like a holistic approach in a sense, like the full person. Like you're not just a trainer to train someone's body. You get to know the person. You understand exactly, you know, what what's going on in their lives, sort of what can what can be affected in their fitness journey. So you kind of you take like these foundational pieces of a person and you're you then develop out the whole person, not just their body, which is pretty cool. Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Um, Once you understand, you know, the person, Mm -hmm. you know, you get a little bit of history about them, you get to understand where they are, you know, then there's a little level of sensitivity that it takes to not communicate, you know, how the person needs to overcome these challenges. And the challenges usually with fitness is first, you know, how do I feel about myself? You know, I'm coming to the gym, I'm new mm-hmm. coming to the gym, and I'm not sure about what I should do. So if someone like me comes along and body language says a lot, right? Yeah. So I take my time and I observe, you know, I observe any interactions you have with people. So I know how to approach you without being too aggressive or come off offensive mm-hmm. because it's a very sensitive topic. What most people need to understand is, you know, getting into fitness right especially as a trainer as a coach the importance of communicating and communicating effectively starts from the beginning starts from your approach as the person approaching the one that's looking for the help whether they say it or not but how they maneuver around the gym you know and things they do you can tell they may need a little help and i think being sensitive enough to recognize that uh, goes a long way 100%. And, you know, I, I can just attest to that. That was literally my first set of interactions with you. It was just like, oh, like, this is a cool guy. He makes me feel comfortable. Like, I'm not, it wasn't like I was taken off guard by, you know, this trainer coming up to me being like, hey, let me help you out. Like, you really did. You just, you, you definitely, your power to connect with people, especially in that setting is unmatched 100%. But you know what I want to do is I want to, though I want to talk about (laughs) us specifically because there's so many stories. I've actually 
let me actually take a moment because if any of my listeners have listened to the very beginning, I actually, Gertie, I had spoke about you. I never mentioned your name, but I had mentioned a time that we were in the gym and you made me do this plank challenge. Um, and I don't, <laughs> I don't know if you remember it specifically. I will not forget it because I, at the time, literally couldn't do one plank. And he's like, oh, well, that's okay. Uh, you're going to do 10 today. And I was like, 10? <laughs> Are you crazy? But you helped me through it. We got through it. So, you know, that's just a small aside that I've actually spoke about you on the podcast way back. And I would say it was one of the first 10 episodes that I spoke on that interaction. But I was really talking about in that moment, you know, the the power that we have over our mind and our body and of when we have support as well, how we can, you know, really accomplish things that we don't think we can accomplish. But I digress. Uh, if you want to listen to that episode, I can put it into the show notes which episode it was specifically. But definitely definitely a highlight moment that I remember because you really helped me overcome some things in, in my fitness journey. So uh, in, <laughs> I might have told the story in a funny way, but it was a really powerful moment for me. Um, yeah. Were you going to say something, please? Oh, no. I mean, that's what it's all about. Yeah. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. And having accepted the challenge and overcoming it now in hindsight, you're like, wow, you know, that you can, uh, you know, have a response that's very light with it. And that's key. That's important. You know? Yeah. 100%. 100%. Uh, well, what I want to do first, um, I actually want to sort of like reverse back. I want to really get to the story of you, the story of Gertie into really taking this journey. I mean, you have so many accomplishments that it's it's a laundry list of accomplishments in the fitness world, in the training world. However, I really want to go back to like the beginning of that. Like when when did you start your fitness journey? When did what is that story for you? That's what we that's where we really need to dig into. It's funny because uh I seem to tell the story a lot, but it doesn't feel like it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Every time I tell the story to someone, you know, it feels like I'm telling it for the first time. Um, my fitness journey started a while ago. Uh, I was probably around like five or six years old. And um, I used, I remember watching highlights. I don't know if it was on YouTube or what it was at the time. And I was watching wrestling. And at the time they were talking about the ultimate warrior about his, you know, his his life, his story. And I was looking at him. I was like, man, this guy looks amazing. You know, and they were showing highlights of him, you know, in the gym working out. So I started doing push-ups. Um, probably for the next two to three years, I would do push-ups, jumping jacks, etc. And then at the time, because uh, my mom's really old school, so at the time, and she's one of my biggest influences, by the way. I love uh, to hear that. <laughs> and at the time, she noticed I was really into it um, and stuff. So I would save up uh, some of the change I'd have, you know, uh, from, you know, money I would get. And I remember the first book I bought was How to Bodybuild. I was probably like eight or nine years old. And... I took that money and I remember the guy at the store, I don't remember his name, but he noticed every week I would pass by 
at some point when I was going back and forth from school and I would look at the book, I'd go through it. And I know I didn't have enough money to buy it at the time. So I would save up my change, you know, to purchase the book. Then finally, I thought I had enough money, went to the store, asked him if I could buy the book. And he asked me how much I had. And I told him I had, I think about $11 and quarters and pennies and stuff like that. And I gave it to him. And the book was about 20 something dollars. I can't remember the exact price. And he actually gave me the book. You know, he said, I'll take what you have here. You can have the book. Really? Yeah. And then from that point on, I started just reading through it, practicing some of the exercises and stuff. And um, I think probably about at the age of nine, on my ninth birthday, my mom bought me, uh, I think it was the Hulkamania workout set because it was a weight program designed for kids that was made by Hulk Hogan. Okay. And this is probably like how many years after it came out because the commercial probably was not even on anymore. I never heard about it. And um, she surprised me with it um, along with other toys and stuff for my birthday. And that was the one thing I stuck with all the way until I got to high school. Whoa. Yeah, I used to religiously listen to his this cassette tape, you know, and stuff because my mom had one. So I would just put it in there and I would just do the workouts every single morning. So by the time I got to high school, you know, I was pretty conditioned. Um, But in terms of the knowledge that I've gotten for fitness or for the human body or biology came from reading my mom's books. Uh, Pretty much my entire life, she was on her journey of becoming a nurse. So she would have these books and I would just open them and just start reading them. They were so fascinating to me, understanding human physiology, you know, the Mm -hmm. brain, all kinds of stuff that was just so fascinating. And I would just read them, you know, almost like just for fun. So by the time I reached high school, I was pretty proficient in human anatomy and movement science because of those uh, combinations. Um, In terms of the commercial aspect, uh, being able to communicate or convey what I've known with people. Uh, I remember watching YouTube and I was looking at some fitness, random fitness stuff. And um, I came across uh, Jack Lalani or Jack Lalane, however uh, you want to call his name. But I remember in New York, they used to call him Jack Lalane. So I would just stick with Jack Lalane. Right? Okay. And um, so they would talk about how he was a godfather of fitness. So I'm watching all these old videos and I was so fascinated by his style. You know, he always had the jumpsuit that was like fitted well, you know, always had his hair done, you know, and he covered the entire package of it, you know, and he's invented some machines like the pulley machines we use today is something that, you know, he's invented. So long story short, you know, that was influential for me. Um, and then bodybuilding is not something I, I got into until after college. Okay. Um, but that journey didn't start till late. But I was always impressed with Arnold Schwarzenegger. I mean, you know, in his era, in his prime, amazing. But what really impressed me was his thought process, you know, how he responded to things, you know, how he approached um bodybuilding and how no matter his adversity you know 
being um, first-generation American, not even, uh, he was not a first-generation American, sorry, but he coming over to this country at a young age, mm-hmm. you know, 18 years old, had in his dream to become this successful actor and stuff and bodybuilding actually created the opportunity for him. And, you know, his personality being charismatic, all of that, you know, captivated me. I'm like, okay, what kind of tools I can develop from watching him? And then all the combination of things that I've known, you know? And in terms of lifestyle, okay, you know, um, from a business perspective, how do I present myself a way that I wouldn't have to solicit? Now, mind you, I'm probably like 13 years old and I'm thinking about <laughs> I was going to say, you're like just the way that you, you think about the whole picture. Like it wasn't – fitness was central to it, but you really thought about everything surrounding it. Right, exactly. And I was trying to figure out a way to engage my friends, you mm-hmm. know, for them to believe in my idea and stuff. So that came along in high school. Um and it all started out with listening to Jay-Z, okay, uh, Sean Carter. You know, if everyone's from Brooklyn, we all know he's the hero. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone strives to be like him. And when I started paying attention on how he moves silently, he would not say much, but just drop an album or do something that's out of your mind that's like, oh, my God, what did you come <laughs> up with that? It's insane. So looking at that and how he carried himself publicly, I'm like, man. I can definitely use that. So I would take pieces, you know, of that. And I would just start creating this idea, not knowing what it's going to be down the road. I just was going along with how I felt um, with that. And the first opportunity I had to express what I learned up to that point was um, running track in high school, you know, um, I didn't, I wasn't aware of how much I knew until, you know, my teammates started getting injured. Mm, okay. And, you know, somebody would get injured and innately would be like, oh, just wrap your ankle with this and use ice and this, do this exercise, try this. And a couple of years later, my coach noticed that, you know, I had this influence on my teammates in a positive way and encouraging them you know, to perform better and and showing them how to take care of themselves, you know? So he made it a point, you know, to implement uh, what I've known into what we're doing, you know? And it's funny, till this day, you know, one of my best friends I've known since the sixth grade, you know, will he'll bring it up sometimes and be like, yo, I remember you used to do all of this. Now I see that you're doing it. Oh my gosh, it's crazy, <laughs> you know? And that's where it started for me. Wow. Wow. So I just, you know, I think it's so, you not you, maybe unique is not the word, but I just think it's so incredible that you have started this journey from so long ago. You know, like for you, um, you know, I was gonna say unique because that's not that's not for everyone. Some people really don't understand or even know that they're starting a journey till college, after college, after going through, you know, one job, X, Y, and Z. But for you, I mean, this is, this is back almost as far as you can remember, like fitness from that very first book. And then the cassette tape that your mom got 
all the way through high school, like this was something that actually was um, pretty consuming for you at a very young age. Correct. Um, and this is one of the reasons why I feel it's very important to have these type of conversations, you know, with younger kids discovering themselves early, mm -hmm. discovering what their passions are early and not to negate it in any way, but to be supportive as much as a parent can, a community leader, a coach, you know, to help them cultivate that idea and to let them know it's okay to try, you right. know? Um, for me, I failed so many times early, you know, but I never took the failing personally. Mm -hmm. Growing up in the environment that, you know, I did where a lot of us do coming from where I come from, you know, a lot of negative influences, not a lot of positivity, you know, and not a lot of community support. Mm -hmm. um, I might've been lucky for me to think the way I think, but also I have to attribute, you know, most of my success to my mother because she was very strict. So a little bit of history about my mother, you know, uh, I'm first generation American. My mom's Haitian. Okay. She come from a very structured and strict culture, especially when it comes to their kids. Mm -hmm. So, you know, being born in Brooklyn, in her mind, she's like, wait, I'm a single mother. I got to raise this boy in New York City. Oh, man. So I really got to, you know, keep a tight lid on him, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, as strict as she was, her leeway for me was reading books. Doing homework, <laughs> barely watching TV. Yeah. You know? And I get out of line, you know, she was quick to reprimand me and, and make me realize the importance of me, you know, having discipline at a young age. You know, there are ups and downs for sure. But how I turned out today was because of what she has established in my life, that level of discipline. And most importantly, education, not only in school, but just showing interest in different things, you know, um, science. I remember randomly, I just pick up rocks and try to figure out why they were made. What's the purpose of them? You know, yeah. I would go to her and she would laugh at me, be like, boy, you're crazy, you know, but she never discouraged it. Mm. Um, fitness at that time, especially in our community, was never big because, you know, you're talking about basketball was really big. You know, if you're a rapper or if you, you know, um, trying to do other things outside of the norm, it was hard to be accepted in our community. So, you know, getting into fitness and being really active in sport, a sport that wasn't, you know, basketball, you know, it was really tough to get the type of support that was necessary throughout the years um, of coming up. But I had to figure it out, you know, and with trial and error, with the expense, with the ex experience of failing multiple times, it allowed uh, for me to develop a grit that's necessary. See, a lot of folks don't understand in the fitness industry, whether you work for a corporate company or you work for yourself, you're still an entrepreneur. You're still a businessman. And anyone that's owned their own business understands, you know, the process it takes to be successful countless times of failing, countless times of being alone and running things with multiple, you know, wearing multiple hats, you know, to establish um, your business. And in the fitness industry, it's the same way, you know, it's no different. And for me, the experiences I've had 
up to this point, I'm always able to pull back to those times and think of, okay, how did I make it to this point? You know, and I would look at the steps um, of my journey. Um, And something I do often, you know, is I always play back certain parts of my life, even to this day, to figure out a problem, a current problem, and then solve it. I love that you do that It because the greatest indicator of future behavior is past behavior, one. So it's pretty awesome that you kind of do that self-evaluation. Like, how did I either get through this or not get through this previously? And what changes and adjustments do I need to make in order to move forward accordingly? So that's actually such a such a powerful practice for human beings to sort of get in the habit of doing, but we don't do it enough is that self-reflection on past mistakes or past trial and error or past failures or successes. But that type of reflective process is something that can definitely move us forward. (laughs) I thought you had a question. No, 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 no. No, I was just... I was just commenting back on what you were saying. I'd have plenty of questions. I just didn't know if you had a response. <laughs> um, there's always a response. Um, you know, <laughs> you know, uh, one of the key things I feel, you know, I encourage people to do is think. Yeah. I mean, that's a powerful thing mm-hmm. that we're given, you know, it's the process of thinking. Mm-hmm. But what people do is they kind of avoid it because of, you know, when you have past failures, sometimes there's a shame that's attached to it. For sure. An expectation, you know, that hasn't been met and that disappointment is carried over into your present and stuff. So, you know, hence why part of the reason, you know, the attitude of being unfazed uh, is very key in someone becoming successful. I love that you brought unfazed in there because that has been your sort of mantra or tagline since I've met you, become unfazed. Uh, Let's talk about that mentality because that's something that I know that you've implemented, like I said, from from day one of knowing you. So become unfazed. Um, How did it all started? Um, I think it was a way of being able to explain why I don't stop doing something like you know, even when, you know, disbelief was was around me constantly, you know, and uh, challenges. Um, it all started with, you know, uh, personal things that would, that's happened in my life growing up as a child, you know, not having my father around, you know, the violence that was around my community and not being lured, you know, into doing illegal activities, uh, not to knock anyone that had to do what they needed to do to become successful but finding one purpose and regardless how I was going to get it, I was not going to be deterred mm-hmm. uh, and stuff. So, you know, when you, when you have integrity, you know, you do things the right way. People often don't believe that you're that way. You know, the challenges of that, you know, anything that would come up to distract you, you know, causes you to be phased. So to get to a point where, You become so determined to achieve a particular goal, right? You narrow your focus specifically on that goal 
and then begin to surround your environment, you know, with that idea, you know, with the way you speak, with your discipline, how you carry yourself, certain people you have around you, where do you draw your strength from? And those are the things I started, you know, in pieces putting around me, you know, mm -hmm. at an early age, because for whatever reason, I understood what made me feel good, I had to stick with. What made me feel bad about myself, I had to let go. So that process just started growing, you know? And I was asked one day by a community leader in Boston, you know, um, he knew some of the things I was dealing with, especially building, you know, overall training, the challenges that came mm -hmm. from, you know, a lot of opposition, uh, but we'll leave it at that. Okay. No. He said to me, wow, you're so much like, you're like unfazed by all this stuff. You know, it won't bother you. And I started laughing. I was like, well, things do bother me. I just chose to handle them differently. You know, a way that's not expected by others, but is expected of myself, you know? And when he said that, I knew then, you know, people were paying attention. I just didn't know how to convey it. You know, give it vocabulary, give it longer life, you know, in words until I devoted my time, some of my time to helping some of the inner city kids around me, you know, with sports. And once I started doing that, um, I was able to now embody, you know, unfazed, right? And once I've embodied it and accepted that it's my thing you know, without fear, without any thought of failure, I was now able to convey it to some of these athletes, convey it to clients, convey it to friends, you know? And then it's gotten to a point where I don't really have to say it, but those that know me will begin to recognize it or people that see me for the first time. Mm -hmm. They won't be able to explain it. Like there's something about you that's different, you know? And up to this day, um, you know, it's caused my environment to adhere to it, you know, to the idea of what is important in the moment to stay zoomed out, look at the bigger picture. And if there's something that needs your attention, you deal with it, right? Without being rattled, without mm -hmm. being disturbed, you know, without being emotionally unstable and totally locked in, you know, getting things done that is necessary. And one of the things that I've learned uh, recently is part of it is learning to let go of certain people. You know, there are people in your lives that also can be a hindrance that can cause you to be faced. You may not be the person that lacks that discipline, but being around a person's um, lifestyle that isn't that doesn't match yours, for instance, right? can affect that, can affect the way you're thinking. You know, they say, um, you know, one bad apple ruins the bunch. That is a very powerful thing, you know? And yes. being unfazed is being strong enough to pull yourself from relationships that can cause that instability. And once that instability is there, you're very uncertain about making decisions. You become unintentional about your purpose, about what you mm -hmm. set out to do. And 
part of being unfazed is actually being intentional, you know, with your actions, with pursuing an idea, with putting a plan in place, doing what's necessary. If you don't have a car, there's Uber, <laughs> you know? Yes. Uh, in New York, it's the Metro. You know, you just hop on it. You get where you need to go. One of the key things I would like to attribute credit to uh, being from New York City, a hardcore New Yorker, even having lived in Boston and stuff, um, is being task-oriented. And what's amazing about that is, you know, it's uh, something that's ingrained in people that are from the city, you know, to be able to lock in and fulfill that purpose, regardless what it takes. Yes. And that influenced me so much. And it was probably about a month ago, it dawned on me that, oh, shoot, I'm still a New Yorker at heart. I can't, <laughs> you know? You know, I don't know that I that I thought I'd see the day that <laughs> that you were, you said you were a New Yorker. I know you've always been from New York, but I remember when we were in Boston, you know, we would talk about how you grew up and you were happy to have left New York at that time. So, you know, you're a New Yorker at heart. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like anyone that becomes educated, whether it's through whether it's through the school system or through life experiences mm -hmm. or just reading a book, you know, um, once they they've evolved and they see better, right? It's not that you hate or despise where you're from; mm -hmm. you just separate, you know, the good from the bad. That's a great you way know? to put it. Yeah, and once you're able to do that, now as a person you're in a better place. So wherever you are, you're able to thrive regardless. But having the understanding of where you're from, right? And mm -hmm. taking the good of where you're from and still being aware of the experiences of the bad of where you're from allows you to make better decisions where you're at. Yeah, that's a great way to put that. That really is. Uh, you know, there's there's so much that you just said that I that I feel like we could push into and really kind of go off on. But what I just think is so powerful is like, for me, what I'm gathering is that become unfazed for you was really about emotional discipline. It was really a, like, you know, being unfazed is is about sort of having the same type of discipline that you have implemented with your body, with your mind, you know, you because, the, uh, you know, I can't think of the exact saying, but it's like discipline comes in um, when motivation is lost or something like that. When you lose motivation, you still have discipline. And, you know, that's, you know, that's what you really have to lean into when, motivation is gone or things get tough or, you know, you don't feel like doing X, Y, and Z. But the unfazed piece is that emotional discipline. And it's funny because I, I have just done um, – I was just doing some research basically on, on something very similar, really just on the power of choice um, and how so often we don't believe that we have choice um, with – how we react. We think that our reactions are natural. And there's actually this really big gap, not big, but it's big when you realize that it's there between stimulus and response, basically between when something happens and how we respond to it. And for you, become unfazed, like that unfazed piece is right there in the middle. You're not going to respond using your emotions. You're going to respond in a way that is appropriate based on the stimulus or the action that 
happen that needs a response. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does make sense. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's very important that someone recognizes that about themselves. Mm -hmm. Here's a prime example. Facet cardio is (sighs) E for me. I mean, it allows me to eat as much as I want to. Uh, It allows me to actually get my day rolling, you know, when I get to it. But I hate doing cardio. (laughs) It's the hardest thing for me. You know, years of running track in high school and college, you know, uh, playing football, all that running, running, it felt like labor, you know? And as an adult, I'm like, now I need to do this. But then, you know, you get into fitness competitions and you become a fitness pro, then you're dealing with the responsibilities that come with it by taking care of your body. And cardio is one of the top things on the list that must be done. And because it's such a challenge for me, right? I don't really like doing it until I'm in prep. Um, I've decided at this point, you know what? Let me get a bike right inside of my bedroom. That way I can roll out of bed and just get to it. So smart. And that's where you've overcome motivation. Because right. motivation relies so much on how you feel. Yes. You and not saying you know, disregard how you feel, but feelings have to be trained, right? Mm -hmm. And feelings are supposed to be responsive to express, you know, supposed to be a stimulus to express behavior, to express thought, Mm -hmm. you know, not be the thought, not be the behavior. Yes. Oh, (laughs) so every morning, regardless of how I feel, I get up, get on that bike and I just go. You, you, know, you don't even have a place to step other than onto that bike, basically. <laughs> I don't make no room for error, like no room for, for options. I think you that's know? that's what's like just so amazing about you, though, is that for sure you're one of the people, you know, in my network, in my world that you might have the most discipline I have ever seen in a human being, like just as far as how regimented you are, you know, with that lifestyle specifically. I mean, I know that you are a pro, so you do have certain responsibilities that come with it. But man, I think that, you know, sort of going back to what you said, I remember when we were training way back in the day, there was that that thing about you that, you know, you weren't saying it. You weren't like, hey, I'm an unfazed human being, but you were just living it. You were doing exactly what you needed to do to meet the goals that you needed to needed to meet without room for error. And so that's definitely something that I admire in you because you really do live what you embody through and through. And there are a lot of components that attribute to being that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and failing is one of them. Yeah. Individuals, once you accept the fact that, okay, I failed, and there's a possibility that I'll fail, you become comfortable with it. Mm-hmm. So now that's out of the way. Okay, what is it that I want to do next? So now you begin to order your steps, you know, daily, every morning. What is it that you do, right, that can attribute to you having a successful day? that allowed you to accomplish certain goals, right? So that was the biggest challenge for me because I'm like, why is this thing defeating me? I can't, no, I can't let it defeat me. And knowing the importance of it for me, I'm not saying it's for everyone, 
But, you know, for me, it's extremely important that I overcome this thing. Mm-hmm. You know, why is it holding me down? So I became intentional, you know, with, okay, I got to get up and do this. Yes. Once I accomplished that first challenge of the day, you know, um, then I look forward to, okay, how do I deal with the second challenge of the day? Mm-hmm. Okay. What is something that is tedious that I need to accomplish? You know, I make my bed. You know, I'm like, okay, I'm in my bed. Yep. Once I do that, then the third thing for me is who is important to me to communicate with first thing in the morning. Mm-hmm. And reason why I have those three things in order, in that particular order, is because those have been the three biggest challenges for me throughout my entire life. Because it involves being vulnerable. It shows that... um I'm bound to fail if I don't accomplish them, okay? And it's a form of communication in many ways. It allows me to communicate. It allows me to have an opportunity to have something to communicate about. And it's something that people can relate to in our conversations. And in these conversations, that's how you build relationships. You know, people are looking for someone they can relate to, okay? Okay, I look strong from my height. You know, I'm pretty decent, you know? And, you know, I walk with confidence, you know, and stuff. And when I turn around and say hi to a little kid or to a person that didn't expect it, you see them light up and you're like, oh, why? (laughs) You know? And then you begin to engage with them. And then in sharing your experiences with them, it uplifts them and now they're able to reciprocate the same energy back to you. So now they find a common ground where, oh, that was a challenge for you. This was a challenge for me. You know, here it is. The secret to real quick, right? Building a network is actually building great relationships. And how do you build great relationships is being honest. And how is being honest? Honesty comes from vulnerability. You know, so one of the things I've learned really early is to not cry about something or whine about it, but it's to say, hey, I'm having trouble getting my cardio done in the morning, but this is what I'm doing to overcome that Right. until it's no longer a challenge. And something as simple as that inspires a lot of people, you know. And not everyone's going to be a multimillionaire. Not everyone's going to be a celebrity, you know? And most people can't relate with them on a personal level because they don't see how how they possibly failed, you mm-hmm. know, and or how they can fail. But someone that is successful in their own right, that is the person they can reach and have communications with, you know, it builds that person up. You know, I make it a point to have someone, when they're done speaking with me, to feel better about themselves, you know, and it takes you being vulnerable to do that. It takes a person being honest with themselves to do that. Um, And I feel that's an important thing with what I'm doing. I, I love that you were able to, you know, just in that brief moment there, you're connecting personal power to um 
power of relationships. And I think that there, it is so interconnected. Like you have to be able to put yourself out there, which is a skill and which is hard to do. But if you can lean into that vulnerability, then you can develop the powerful relationships that, you know, build that network, but also, you know, expand who you are. You said one bad apple spoils the bunch, but if you are doing the work in yourself to make sure that you are also fostering those relationships around you that build you up rather than break you down, uh, then that is a recipe for success if I've ever heard one. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, Gertie, we have about 10 minutes left. So there's a couple of things that I want to do in the last few minutes that we have. So uh, first and foremost, I really want to talk about, I know you've mentioned it a couple times. Um, everyone knows listening here, I kind of saved the purpose piece to the end, but I just really want to know, you know, purpose for you. What, what does purpose mean? Sort of how you're living that out. I know you have, it, you've built out at this point an incredible training program, Overhaul Train. Uh, so if you want to talk about that and sort of your, your quest in purpose, then um, I would love to hear about all of that in the last couple minutes. Um, so it's hard to identify your purpose, mm. you know, especially when you're in the middle of it. Yes. Sometimes it takes sitting back or even losing it for a while to now think back on what it is. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I found that was important was building others. And, you know, we're doing it in so many ways. You know, um, there's so many self-help books and all of that that's out there, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But how many people actually really live it, you know, uh, without having any uh, compensation given back in terms of monetary compensation? Right. And one of the things I found that was greatly personal to me was um, training these young boys back in Boston. Like, mind you, I've never played basketball. (laughs) You know, I've played pickup, you know, it's pretty decent. You know, I can dunk a ball here and there, you know. And, um, but I started training these group of kids, young men, you know, uh, they would come. And I'm sure you remember some of them. I do. Actually, there's one of them. uh, He was so young at this point and now he's in college and we still follow each other on Instagram. (laughs) Oh, you probably told him about uh, Charles Coleman. Coleman, Yes. He was a chat. He was, he must have been like sixth grade at that point, but he was always like six feet. And now yeah. he's seven feet. He's seven feet now. Uh, I love that kid. Um, Shout you out. Know, you know, to him, Jalen, yes. Nick, Anthony, you know, uh, those are my boys. Um, and a couple more, and the new one, and some of the ones I've met later on as well. Um, but uh, when I saw these kids, right? Mm-hmm. I recognized that they were missing what I had. Mm. And in order to now convey that message to them and then begin to teach them that, I had to learn their sport, you know? And that's where the vulnerability piece comes in. Hey, you guys, I don't play ball, but I do understand human biomechanics. I know what that means. I know what movement does. So as I study you guys, I'm gonna study some more. But what I saw that was important to them was the relationship I built with them. Mind you, these kids were like 11, 12 years old, mm-hmm. you know, they're, you know, 20 years old, you know, and they're doing extremely well, you know. 
I'm doing really well in college. You know, some of them potentially be pro athletes mm-hmm. and stuff. But um, I saw I was able to give them what I didn't have growing up. And once I saw that, I was like, okay, now how am I going to keep that up? Because it's new to me. I've never experienced someone, you know, that is that looks like me, but is mature, right? And that cared enough to give me time, mm-hmm. you know? Yes. So I did it. And what enabled me to press through was I now became one with them in terms of understanding okay I understood I made it a point to understand where they were coming from how they felt always had conversations with them so overall train you know training somebody biomechanically you know physically you know strength eating and all that you can learn that. You can Google the information. Mm-hmm. You know, it's there. Probably, you know, you have to know what you're looking for, but the information is there and how to apply it is totally different. But how I was able to take a kid in one week, turn them around to make them realize his potential was, yes, having the knowledge, the science, the background, great. But it was more personal for me because I knew I had a responsibility mm-hmm. to bring him to where he needs to be. So the experience of not having what I was able to give played a big role. Yes. If they were not happy, you know, because of coaches or, you know, you know how these kids get, you know, and circumstances are real. Certain things I've seen happen to these kids, you know, it's almost like I became not only their big brother, but like a father, I became protective. Mm-hmm. You know, when they would get hurt, I'd feel it. Right. But if they're not in the moment strong enough to overcome it, I became their strength. Oh you my know? gosh, there's so much power in that. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. In so becoming their strength, they were able to now take a breather while still work. And then once they were rested, you know, they were able to understand what I've been teaching them and now begin to apply it. Yes. And to see that stuff play out, it's mind blowing. You know, it's it's like, oh, wow, <laughs> I was a part of that. Cool. Like, you know, uh-huh. and being in it, I haven't realized the effects of it. You know, um, I'm meeting kids randomly and they know what I do and I'm like oh really <laughs> I didn't know <laughs> you know it's kind of awkward but because I'm so because of being in it you know with them you know and having the ability you know and the willingness you know to use my strength to push all of them you know to become their best um it's like having my second wind. It's like, I'm not tired of doing it. You know, there's no complaints. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I never have, I never not make time, you know? So being able to sell out like that to them in that sense, you know, enabled them to produce tremendously. And one thing, you know, that I feel people need to understand, especially, you know, what I preach to these young kids is that, hey, don't make it about money. 
yes, you need to get paid. Mm-hmm. Yes, you know, there's a monetary compensation that needs because everybody pays bills. You have to eat, right? But first thing you have to do is be passionate about it. You know, right. look to communicate with the person you're working with, you know, and that's what I made it about. And it's how many years later? It's about, you know, about you know, 10 years later since, you know, overhaul chain been up and going. Um, without advertising, I barely do any marketing or anything. Like, I try to do social media things. It's a bit challenging sometimes, you know, I'm so busy. But um, I didn't realize how much they've spread the word. Wow. You know? And to where there was this one kid, Adam, I met in Boston a few years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, he's married now. He lives in uh, in uh, West Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And he had contacted me one day because he was like, hey, you out in California? I'm like, yeah, I'm out here. He was like, man, you got to work with my brother. I'm like, sure, he's out here? No, he's in Morocco. <laughs> and because I never say no, Right. I would challenge a kid just to get them out of their funk. But because I never say no. Right. Uh, I met his younger brother via Zoom and we started training there. And next thing you know, all his friends and teammates and, you know, everybody started wanting to be a part of it. And it was just because of the willingness, you know, to apply myself, you know, um, to these kids, you know, Mm -hmm. to see where it's going now, um, I haven't really sat back and thought um, it being where it's at now or where it could go um, and stuff in terms of, you know, the seeds that I've laid in, you know, when I first started. Mm-hmm. But now I've embodied it so much that I'm able to express it with no effort. Yes. You know, and it's true, you know, when you hear, you know, certain, you know, successful millionaires, billionaires talk, you know, the first thing they'll tell you is, um, what is your passion? Yeah, right. Your passion lies where your desire is. You know, anything that you are intentional about is where your time is going to go, is where your thoughts are going to go. Right. And if they're pure you know, if there's an intent, you know, to make it successful, it will happen. So well said. I think that the intention piece is so important too. And I mean, it's it's just so evident that you've made such a large impact on so many young people's lives. And, you know, it goes all the way back to that story that you just told that, you know, you had a friend who, you know, connected you with his brother in Morocco. And, you know, it's that power of the connections and the relationships. And um, I mean, so many gems we could go into. Unfortunately, we are coming to time. Uh, So I want to go into our quick rapid fire round and then we'll close it out. All right. So um, the first, so I like to talk about development, decision-making, dedication to purpose. Those are the three things we mentioned at the beginning of the episode. That's what this rapid fire is about. Super quick and fun. Uh, pressure's off. But currently, first question, uh, in development, are you currently working more on personal development or professional development? I'm always working on personal development. Um, without it, then there's no professionalism. Spot on. It's so true. 
All right. Number two, decision-making. Do you make more of your decisions based on choice or guiding voice? Choice means you're a numbers person. You look to the facts. Guiding voice means that you follow spirituality, intuition, or something of the sort. Um, My intuition. Yeah, that guiding voice piece. Yeah, sure. very important. Can't deny it. And then um, the numbers and stuff, I feel that's necessary to have to gauge where you are and mm -hmm. then be able to communicate with the person you probably want to partner up in a project or something. That's true. That's very true. All right. Last question is dedication to purpose. Do you think that this is a singular pivotal moment in time or uh, an ongoing daily practice? Um, an ongoing daily practice because we're constantly evolving. The mm -hmm. more you learn, you know, the more you evolve. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's inevitable. Yes, that's I think that's a great answer. Um, all right. Well, we are coming to close. I want you to just uh, take the floor one last time to let everyone know where they can find you. Um, and then we will close it out. All right. I'm Gertie. Um, you can find me on Instagram at Gertie, spelled with a G3RDY. Um, you can check out my Instagram page as well, Overhaul Train, um, O-V-E-R-T, sorry, O-V-E-R-H-A-U-L-T-R-A-I-N um, on Instagram. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, we have a webpage that uh, where we're branding right now. It's overhaultrain.com. Um, you can check that out as well. well. Wonderful. Gertie, it has been so awesome catching up with you. Uh, I'm so excited for everyone to listen to this episode. I know it's packed with value. Um, and I just want to thank you again for hopping on. It's been awesome to catch up and I look forward to chatting with you again soon. Likewise. And thank you for having me. Absolutely. All right, everyone, as I end all of my episodes, until next time, let this be the moment. <laughs>